Stockholm. It was snowing yesterday. Uh, it's quite cold and we are with Sonia Lopez outside Index Foundation. Hi Sonia. Hey, hey. So we are going to visit Tracking Distribution, this exhibition that we are presenting here with uh, the work and the artistic production by Lily Huston Hertenich, Frances Ruiz, Nina Sarnell, the material from our summer course that together with uh, Konsfak and Johanna Gustav von Fusch, the art and distribution, the festival, Leaking Container, Index Magazine, Index Video Archive, and plenty of publications. Let's go inside, Sonia. <laughs> you are listening to Index Foundation Podcast. So for the ones listening, how would you explain this space? Well, I found three different spaces separated by colors which suggests me different times and different subjects. I don't know, I, I'll see as soon as I uh, look closer. And uh, we have a yellow one with some mind maps on the walls and a big green table with materials with and some headphones and um, hand sanitizer which is a constant nowadays. And it suggests me about um, some kind of way to explain um, thoughts. And well, here, the green part, I recognize it more like works of art. I see some comics that, um, that are by Frances Ruiz, an artist I know um, from the past, and there's also a TV monitor with um, headphones. Suggests me to it invites me to sit down and and see what's happening. It looks like um, some news on TV and um, balloons. It it looks strange. It it really invites me to sit down and see what's happening here. And on the other side, it's a brown, light brown color. And uh, this looks uh, like an archive. Uh, but it's uh, an archive uh, it, that I can touch. And I, it's full of books and booklets. There's also a, a strange element that it's a metro point distribution, a metro magazine point distribution. Um, Let's go there and have a closer look okay. to it. Because it looks like it's in between a work of art and an archive piece. And there's a publication I can hold in my hands that looks like a newspaper. And, um, yeah, I can explain it to you. It's, yes, uh, this is a project by Coyote. Coyote is a collective from Stockholm. Uh, we were working with them for the summer festival and, uh, and we were talking a lot with them also about distribution and distributional channels and they said to us, look, there's this, this network in town with these uh, yes, uh, 
stands where you can get the Metro magazine. Mm -hmm. The thing is that Metro doesn't exist anymore. So it's a magazine that disappeared two years ago, but the stands are still in town. So and, and they were they what they were used for. You know, uh, suddenly instead of being a place for information, was a place where to throw rubbish. Mm. And it was a problem because the stands were uh, owned by Metro. Metro was a company not existing anymore. And the city council was uh, not the one supposedly taking care of it because it wasn't part of the public space. It, was a, it's a, it was a use, a private use of the public space. Um, Coyote decided to use this, uh, these uh, stands and right now we have one of them here. There's another one installed in town as, a, as an artistic intervention. So from being uh, a, a public use, a private use of the public space, right now it's an artistic use of it. They disappeared, so all these stands disappeared. So the one that we have here, it's, it's history. Mm -hmm. So it's something that, uh, that you know, talks about one time. And what they did, we, what this um, collective did, was to invite artists to, to do this magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, this magazine that was offering like low quality uh, information is now full of uh, artistic interventions. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting, this uh, middle stage of, um, of use. And I think it's a good um, entrance to this part of the exhibition, which is I, it's a very big surface, not exactly a table, but you could say it's a, yes, a standing table full of books that look very different one from uh, each other and a very um, uh, colorful mind map uh, that it's full of names, hours, and uh, in the middle we have the text leaking container, which is the festival. It yeah, it was the, the index festival. This year uh -huh. the festival in 2020 was uh, devoted to the idea of uh, distribution. For the whole year, we have been working and thinking about distribution and what distribution means, how do we work, how the art world works, and what we can do. And we were just uh, gathering information, observing, and trying to, to think together, uh, think with other people on, on ways to work, because we do exhibitions here, but we do much more. And we can see that there's a need of uh, defining other types of channels to find other types of communication and contacts with uh, between um, artists and, uh, and users. And it's true, here we have a lot of uh, publications. Mm -hmm. We can take, for example, this one. Yes. And this is something produced physically in Rotterdam from Publication Studio. Yes, it looks like um, a very light uh, booklet, very nice designed but very low cost printed and um, you were telling me a few minutes ago about the idea that's behind this project and it's absolutely um, interesting and uh, appealing to me. Um, you were telling me and correct me if I miss something that publication studio is the editor and anyone could be the distributor of the projects locally. Yeah, the idea is what uh, it's uh, it's a question about books, what a book is, and and publication studio. It's something that it's online. It's it's it, there's uh, on the cloud. There's a collection of books. A, bo a books are waiting to be printed, and the book happens when it's printed and it's distributed. 
And instead of uh, printing the books somewhere and then sending them by boat everywhere in the world, what a publication studio is doing is to invite people to be part of it. So you can print the books and distribute them locally. And it's a good way to understand this the desire to change or to question the, uh, how we distribute material and artistic material. Is it a need uh, for to, to spend uh, a lot of money in these um, travels? Or can we find other ways to produce locally with the same content? Yeah, uh, what's really interesting to me is that after all this debate about the electronic book and uh, how uh, the Kindle thing and, and all this, uh, here we don't uh, question the, the object. We, question, we are questioning or we are uh, reflecting on how, what's, what's happening between uh, the idea of book, it's uh, ready, and what's happening uh, on the other side, the moment that needs to be printed and needs to be distributed. And this is really, this is really interesting. I think we need to uh, forget about the object, the final object. It, the, the main thing is how it gets to your hands. And, uh, and we need to innovate in, in, those, in, in that gap in between. It's really interesting. And what we can do now, uh, while we are uh, walking and observing material here at the exhibition, is to, for you listening to the podcast, is to, to listen to an interview with one of the artists, because it's connected with what you were talking about, Sonia. This, uh, this, uh, this construction of a wall around an object, when the object is not important anymore, probably, it's the how the things are moved. And we're going to listen to Nina Sarnell. It, uh, Nina Sarnell is the artist behind this film here at the exhibition in a monitor that you said that it was appealing, that he wanted to see it. Uh, the film uh, presents uh, a, a couple of situations. One of them is uh, based on the distribution center. Uh, what happens when this uh, big company, when Amazon says to a city that they want to move there, they want to open a distribution center, and suddenly the, they can talk about these 1,000 jobs that are appearing, these 2,000 jobs that will be provided, these 3,000 jobs, these 5,000 jobs, and some numbers that appear and are uh, part of a celebration. And what uh, Nina Sarnan is doing with this um, video uh, titled Big Opening Event is mixing this uh, way uh, of doing from this big company mm. and uh, the ritual of the celebration. And one of the rituals, one of the traditional rituals in the same context, in the US in this case, is the, the balloons. Imagine this convention, this political convention. At the end, there's this, this immense number of balloons just flying. Or when the opening of the, U, uh, the, the Olympic ceremony, you need balloons. Because then you know that this is this big celebration. And to produce these balloons, it needs a lot of work to throw them and it's air, there's nothing there. It's just the fact that you are celebrating something. So this, there's this metaphor, this connection between the distribution center, that it's a building that's empty, there's nothing there, it's a, it's a, it's a building um, based on movement, movement, things arriving, things just leaving the space, and this, this desire to celebrate that it's uh, emptiness. And, and uh, it, I've seen something, uh, it's also, connected to the idea that nobody cares about what happens after 
this reservation that it becomes contamination and ravage over the lake and uh, and it causes also other important uh, disturbance and problems uh, to people working and living there it's really interesting let's let's have a look to it mm. Super. let's listen let's listen to Nina and, and we continue afterwards okay um, so big opening event <laughs> um, came out of I was basically doing research on the fanfare around the opening of these different distribution centers and um, and thinking about the kind of language that they used. Um, so I thought I actually um, there was something that preceded this that uh, is kind of a weird story maybe, but um, I remember seeing on a side of like a Payless shoe store or something. It said like we're having a shoe event. You know, and and I just remember this like this strange language, like just you know when you just notice something, you're like, huh, like th I've heard that before, a shoe event, but it's like a really strange phrase actually. Um, and I and I remember like kind of noting that down and like kind of wanting to use that some somehow someday. So weirdly, I just thought I just remembered that, but I think there's some connection there. Um, so I was looking for language, you know, that would um, insinuate the kind of opening of this. Um, but it could also be vague enough to be like almost the opening of anything and just and really be feel like the um, it kind of focuses on that sentiment that sort of like vague corporate sentiment of celebration um, that that's kind of what I wanted from it. It also was because when I first so the creation of this piece. Um, it originally I, I maybe I should mention this, but originally I wanted it to be a live performance. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is crazy, <laughs> but uh, but it was it was conceived for this show called the Fulfillment Center in Denver, Colorado, that um, was put together by Black Cube, which is this amazing organization I've worked with a bunch of times, um, and uh, so they kind of actually prompted the research a little bit. I I, I wasn't actually planning to do this project before that show, um, so but I, that's kind of how I work often is like somebody some idea, you know, who knows where it comes from. It might even come from a show or from a curator. And then I just launch on this research process. And obviously, you know, um, that that was a big, a, a year in the making after that. But um, so they had come up with this idea for the show. And I was like, what if we did, uh, so so their idea was essentially we're we're gonna we will be the fulfillment center. We have a warehouse. We're gonna put up these racks. We're gonna look like they they bought like uh, racking shelving kind of like Home Depot or something. You know, um, they kind of whited it out so it looked a little bit art like, but not really. <laughs> you know, and thought about how it would feel to look at art in this kind of warehouse context. Um, and I was like, well, why don't I do an opening event for the fulfillment center? You know, I'll do the party or something. Um, and But my idea very early on was to drop hundreds of Amazon boxes from the ceiling. <laughs> Turned out there were a few problems with that idea safety-wise. Um, so yeah, so originally I wanted a lot of people in the space, you know, doing what they do at openings. I wanted to do a live music performance because I do that and all, all the music I scored in the, in the film. Um, and, uh, and then at, at a certain moment, I wanted to drop all the boxes the way they do in a, um, you know, like a political uh, rally or something at the, the national convention is the famous stuff in, in the US at least, they drop all the balloons on the, on the you know, newly elected president. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of what I was looking for. And then, you know, it kind of translated into this like eternal 
opening event, <laughs> which I think is also kind of interesting. So a lot of the research I did was around opening ceremonies of various types. Um, I might have even called it opening ceremony if there wasn't like this like hipster uh, fashion brand in the US called that, or maybe it's not even based here. I don't know where it's based, um, but that was like not, not going there. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I was looking into like golden shovel is another um, thing. I don't know if you know, where the, it's like a groundbreaking ceremony where they'll like, um, you know, use this weird small gold plated shovel to like, you know, dig a piece of earth it's it's really strange and also of strength i mean that one in particular a kind of weird simulation of labor by like people who would never ever shovel <laughs> so it's also kind of like funny like scene often you'll see like presidents i mean certainly trump this is like a big thing for him is like showing up for the fanfare of these groundbreaking ceremonies so groundbreaking um so yeah so shoveling ribbon cutting and then the balloons kind of came from there I mean, the film is really kind of about like this, like innocence lost, you know, this like hope lost. Um, so I, I mean it to be, it's of course, it's very critical of the, um, sorry, my dog just came in, <laughs> very critical of um, the sort of like relationship between politics and job creation and this like neoliberal like um, uh, rhetoric around that. Um, but it also like to me on a more like personal level, I don't know if personal is the right word, but on a more human level, let's say, it's like about like the kind of branding that and the way that that branding kind of instills a sort of hope or an aesthetic of um, functionality that just isn't there, you know? And, um, uh, and, and it's sad that, I mean, it's sad that unemployment is such a big problem. You know, it's sad that people have lost their jobs. So it's not, it's not like to make fun of that. There's actually something I think really um, a little more tender about the idea of like balloons as this kind of childish, um, you know, this symbol of innocence essentially and, and, and hope maybe in some way, but we all know that they're just little pieces of plastic that just go out and like pollute. And when we do these like crazy spectacles, I mean, I, I really like launched into the research of these balloon spectacles because it's just so bizarre. Um, and one of the funniest things actually is uh, the Cleveland balloon spectacle fiasco, which is like the most famous one. And I, and I stole a lot of footage from this like short documentary that's out there. It's credited at the end of the film um, about that. And what's really weird is I actually lived in Cleveland. I mean, this happened 10 years before I was there, but I lived in Cleveland and I worked in the building that was clouded in balloons. So it was like really strange to be like, this is like a play, like there's me in my little office 10 years later, you know? Um, and I didn't even know about it. I mean, Cleveland is famous for a lot of weird um, ecological disasters. The Burning River is another famous one um, where the river was so polluted that it lit on fire. Um, Anyway, but, um, and, I, and I have a lot of love for Cleveland. <laughs> it's not to um, criticize in any way, but um, yeah. So anyway, so why did I get there? I forget now. <laughs> I mean, I, I did kind of focus on that guy who's actually based in LA sort of, or Anaheim or something like that. Um, the balloon artist, like the zany balloon artist who conceived all this crazy, you know, but it's like the amount of money that goes into those things for this like moment. I mean, I feel the same way about fireworks, to be honest. I hate fireworks. <laughs> Anyone around me thinks I'm a party pooper, but um, I just, I don't get it. I just feel like you, the 
like in 20 minutes, like the, the, the sky is filled with smoke and it feel, it feels awful to me. I, I just don't, I, to, it doesn't seem worth it. And it seems like a weird um, kind of, yeah, short-sightedness, you know, that, that everybody overlooks for this like moment of fun. I don't know. Um, anyway, so I hate fireworks, but, but I hate balloon spectacles even more. And luckily they've kind of gone out of vogue a little bit. I mean, certainly the outdoor ones, I don't think that they happen outdoors anymore, really. I mean, not, in, not on that scale. Um, cause there's also, I think, so there's also, um, a narrative, I think that comes back actually in a lot of my work around this kind of like push and pull between the kind of desire for something to be a certain way and then the failure of that. And I think like tech optimi optimism does a lot of the same things, like um, the way we're like confronted with a new innovation and we're so excited about the promise for democratization and connection and all these things, you know, all the stuff Zuckerberg talks about. And, uh, and then 10 years later, we're dealing with the crazy fallout of that shit, you know, which isn't to say that there aren't things that are gained. I mean, in, in that situation, there are some things gained for sure. And, and also probably there are jobs that are gained. I mean, no, I take that back. Jobs are made by Amazon. But if you look at the larger picture by, you know, inter whether that's the Amazonification, as they say, or the Walmart effect, um, the greater trend is huge amounts of, of job loss. And uh, so it's kind of like, yeah, that, that, the cell, you know, the cell of the, of the beautiful shiny balloon. <laughs> and then the like, kind of like, just detritus that, that <laughs> ends up being and, and the kind of loss that, that we feel every time our, our hope is kind of lost there. But yeah, I think the, the, the symbol of an empty box um, as a balloon, <laughs> the symbol of, a, of an empty balloon, an empty box, this kind of, and the way that especially the Amazon box is treated as this ubiquitous kind of marketing um, tool, specifically, you know, I mean, even the smile, I mean, the smile is a balloon <laughs> in a way. I mean, it reaches out in this way that is, says I'm non-threatening, I'm, you know, I'm funny, I'm childish, I'm like, you know, I'm, an, I'm a new way of life. I mean, the, 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 the word Amazon is so dark in this like moment. I just feel like it's unbelievable that we actually have accepted that word into our lexicon as like, a, as something else, <laughs> you know, it's really insane. It's like, it feels like, like upside down world, like 1984, like totally dystopian to me that we say Amazon and we talk about Jeff Bezos is mind boggling. <laughs> yeah. So we were listening now to Nina Sarnell talking about a big opening event. This uh, film from 2019 that is uh, in the first monitor you find here at the exhibition at Tracking uh, Distribution. And we continue talking with uh, Sonia Lopez. Now we go to this part of the exhibition that has like uh, yellow walls and a really big uh, green uh, table with a map, a mind map on it. On the walls we can see these uh, uh, maps on paper also with uh, mind maps and some documents coming from, from the newspapers. These documents uh, present a time frame somehow. They are talking and they are showing us uh, elements related to, to Black Lives uh, Matter and it's a project, a curatorial uh, uh, layer presented by Mabato Stubayane. 
the maps are produced by Lily Aston Hertridge and these two, uh, Mabato and Lily, were uh, working as trackers in our uh, uh, summer course that we did uh, together with Index and uh, Index and Consfac, uh, together with uh, Johanna Gustafsson Fuscht. Uh, during this summer in, in Stockholm, when Index was closed, uh, a group of uh, participants were using the space to think together around the idea of distribution. And we had some invited guests, uh, for example, Frida Sandstrom was talking here, uh, Pale Torsion, uh, Falke Pisano and uh, Sonia. Uh, you were here and you were talking about uh, some institutional desires uh, related to to distribution, how to think, what a museum is, uh, what a museum does, and, 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 and how things can be done. And you were starting in uh, your work in, uh, in the beginning of 2000. Yes, um, we were talking about what uh, I experimented in the Museum of Contemporary Art in Barcelona. It was about 2004, 2006, and um, uh, I was responsible for the website back then and um, and I was uh, the idea behind my work like a thing like a statement I may say it was that uh, I should be publishing anything that could be published uh, we need we needed to bring back to the audience anything that was uh, produced uh, inside the, the institution. Um, it was something, let's say, unusual that me working with a website, I was in the publications department. And this idea of publication and distribution was always behind any uh, idea or any uh, project that we would like to to bring life. Yes, because if we're talking, uh, we think about the structure. Usually, websites in big institutions are part of communication department, not publication. It's understood as a communication way, something that to 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 present what's going on. Yes, and and uh, it was a very uh, it was uh, was identity not doing that way the the website in the museum. And, um, but going to precise projects, we have the radio, we have also the radio with Magba, we have also uh, portable notebooks, and uh, uh, particularly radio with Magba was a project that wanted to, to um, pick and to take the different processes that were happening in the museum and bringing them in, an, in a different uh, language that was orality and going outside the text and outside the visual paradigm that normally the institution uh, feels comfortable. And we wanted to experiment with the format, but also with the limits and the assumptions of uh, how the institution needs to talk to their audiences. And um, it's true that the group of people that we were that were involved in the in the production of the project, we all had a background in radio 
conventional radio. But we wanted to, um, to experiment with a format that back then was kind of new, that was the podcast, that means play on demand uh, and broadcasting. It made me feel very uh, uncomfortable when I hear people saying that podcast comes from iPod, which is completely unprecise. <laughs> um, this idea of playing on demand that uh, presents the idea of that the audience can decide something about what you are offering as institution was uh, a really appealing idea that uh, was involved in that process. And also the idea that we could experiment with uh, a language and a format that was not as defined and as, uh, um, you know, like, uh, Com that doesn't didn't have uh, conventional uh, or I don't know how to express it, but I mean that it was new and we needed to invent the way that we used that format and uh, and I think that at, it also had to do with the the consciousness about how the institution needed to experiment with uh, internet as a network. And uh, with internet, like, it was a golden age of the internet. It, it was not uh, what it is now, that it's um, a very, um, um, a, a medium that it, it has become a little dark in some, in somehow. Back then it was uh, really a, a heaven to discover new ways to, to send messages, to experiment with formats and archives that were, you know, like uh, flying and sailing um, on the internet in a, new, in a new ways or different ways and we wanted to explore that uh, with that project. It's interesting to think about the, the temporalities, like uh, the 2000s, uh, the internet is on, but it's not what we know now. Uh, there's this desire, this, this uh, seduction from the institution, like let's try to talk with the user, let's try to invite them to take care of content. And uh, one, one of the formats was the podcast, like how to construct this, this narrative this, the, with multiple voices. So it's not just one voice, but also the voice of the artists, the voice of the participants, the voice of the ones working in the institution. And probably it's a change, it's a shift, that uh, instead of having one voice, we have a, a, a myriad of voices. Myriad of voices, and, and also uh, the creation of a, of a different space. I think, I think this is uh, very important. I've talked about plenty of times when I was asked to talk about the radio project. And uh, I, insist, I insisted that it was not like translating what was happening in the museum in an, uh, in like, explaining or uh, narrating what was uh, there. We needed to create a different space and it was a, sp a space um, existing in a, not, in, not in an architectonical way, 
but uh, more in uh, this idea of distribution and creating space with, with the audience. And yes, exactly. We were talking about this, this idea of a space, of the creation of content and how the institution is, is shaping itself and trying to read in reality and trying to observe and trying to offer these new languages. And talking about languages, here we have uh, these these maps, these mind maps from 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 Lily, and and from a distance uh, they are extremely objective. It's black and white, some nodes, some arrows, some some links. But when you look at them closely, it's extremely clear that there's a subjective approach. Absolutely, actually, you see how then the idea of reception, that it's, it's not an, uh, the way an idea is spread, but the way it's received by, by the subject. And different shapes uh, means also different ways of expressing and different ways of understanding uh, the message. It's, it's, really, it's really interesting and it's really uh, transmitting um, ideas, transmitting something about so what we can see here is a series of talks uh, uh, from the point of view of the listener. How this person, Lily, has been connecting information and showing a structure. This is a structural uh, approach to reality, but what we can see at the end is also some portraits. It's interesting to see like who the sender is, uh, how the sender is organizer, and how this information is received. If, it, if it's a chaotic information flow, it is, if it's a really well-organized flow, but also how words appear. In some cases we have a lot, lots of references, in some cases we have lots of ideas, in other cases we have uh, times. And let me say something that I, I'm a privileged person because I, I, I'm now, just right now, I'm looking to the mind map based on my, on my uh, conference. Uh, and I know what I was trying to tell uh, during that intervention. And now I can reconstruct um, how it was received. And I can see the, the different uh, standing points of my speech then and I discover all the relations and uh, the meta elements that uh, the drawer was uh, seeing at, at that time. It's, it's an, a very interesting exercise that I can do uh, reading these maps. It's really, really interesting. So we will listen now to Lily Huston Herdrich talking about these maps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, always been this kind of negotiation for me, is trying to figure out how to use a method that is um, kind of reads aesthetically pretty linear and organized and to bring in something that's messier, which is sort of uh, the way that my own note-taking and also sort of my own associations happen and maybe even happen by mistake. So it was always interesting for me to like keep that form and then make that form, expand that form to accommodate some kind of sloppiness. So that also when you first approach it, it looks like it is information that is organized and then upon like very quickly upon reading it, you understand or hopefully it's understood that it is totally subjective and also associative in the way that it's mapped. I mean, when we were work, when we were 
um, working with the, we, when I say we, I say, I mean Mabatu and I, but when we were working on, um, on sort of the tracking task of the art and distribution course, um, we were taking a whole bunch of notes and I noticed very quickly that the notes that I took were different in form, um, dependent on who was speaking. And so I was also interested in, because I wanted to develop kind of a system of mapping in my own practice, um, I wanted to kind of work, use the term of the course to play with different forms and how the map can be elaborated, like through chronology or through theme or through subject that the, that the presenter was speaking about or just through references, different ways that you can kind of map information dependent on who's speaking and also how they speak. Um, and as a reader of the maps, my 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 hope was that it could be navigated also with, with within a within a the subjectivity of the reader, not only the subjectivity of myself. That if I exploded the way that my notes were taken and the way that I had made the associations, maybe it gives permission to navigate those maps not holistically, but rather through a path. Um, that was chosen by the viewer and that stays in that path chosen by the viewer that it's not necessary actually to receive all the information but rather maybe if one node is of interest seeing where it connects to or where it dead ends um, and leaving it at that they are um, maps that start with uh, they all start with the origin of a speaker uh, who was delivering a talk um, during the art and distribution course this summer. Um, we had lectures that were given on Zoom uh, and the students um, were present for the lectures as well as in the staff of Index Foundation and myself and Mabatu who were research interns with Index. Um, so the maps begin with a name and the date of the person or, or the date of the lecture that that person was uh, presenting. And then they elaborate or extrapolate from that point in different ways. So um, for example, Marty, uh, your lecture, which was sort of including three mm, or four, but, but arguably you kind of unpacked the practices of three artists. Uh, initially you began with Salvador Dali to sort of establish his method of distribution via, I, I would say um, quite a uh, capitalist patriarchal, you know, Identity, um, individual artist. So you begin with Salvador Dali, you unpack a bit of his practice. And so the nodes kind of expand based on what you're speaking of and what the artist has, has done that you have described to us. You had gone through also PowerPoint. So we were seeing images. And so there's some transcription of what the images are. And then you move on to kind of talk about Francesco Ruiz's practice and Gorilla Girls and um, uh, also Fias Gonzalez-Torres a little bit. So then it kind of moves, the map really kind of moves that way. And it looks like a constellation of these ideas that then kind of connect to one another through thin lines. But that's your map. And then other maps kind of have different spaces. There's another map of Falke Pisano's talk that begins at the end of her talk where the students begin to ask her questions or actually she's asking the students questions and then they don't answer. And then eventually they do answer, but it's this process of what happens in the dialogue after the lecture. And those subjects are kind of plotted in the same way that uh, the subjects of a talk would be plotted. So it's a different ways of transcribing notes actually of something that happened in a sort of temporal space. Um, 
when I first arrived at Index and we were speaking about the history of Index and what has been left uh, in terms of the material of the archive, um, I've been interested in so long of, of this sort of idea of who writes an archive, both in terms of kind of reconstructing um, or different methods of reconstructing histories that have not been um, able to fit certain systems of or certain archival systems, but also thinking about an institution and how the institution is so, um, whatever the institution produces under the name of institution is so linked actually to the people that are working in the institution at that moment. And that became very clear that that was part of Index's um, interest, which is why um, I thought that our, our, at least our research interests kind of aligned quite well, is that there is this um, possibility to, while during the process of producing archival material or material that will stay, which is like an exhibition or a production of an artwork or these maps, that we can always, in the process of it, include and acknowledge who it's being written by. So then also not only to keep people accountable, so I am accountable now for anything I put in a map and I hold that accountability with responsibility, but then also that it that it exists and that I insist that, yeah, that there is an author there. It wasn't just a institution that has some sort of objective um, voice, which is always a fallacy, I think, yeah. We have listened to Lily Huston Hertrich talking about uh, her mind maps here at Exhibition Tracking Distribution. And now we have walk to the other end of the exhibition. Now we are in this area with uh, brown uh, cardboard uh, walls. And uh, we are close to an object. It's this cardboard, a red one, metal with a big screen and a DVD player. And this is the space for Index Video Archive. Index Video Archive was this project. Um, also from Sonia from the 2000s um, and, and the idea was that Index was a, a space to look at films so artists were coming here and leaving their materials or the institution was gathering some 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 DVDs and MBHS first so what we have here now is a, a fantastic collection of, of films that we want to to offer again so visitors can come here and take their, their DVDs put the DVDs on the DVD player and watch at them. We have this uh, time here, this uh, lapse of time when the DVDs were a system of distribution. And now our objects did something interesting here in the digital realm, um, becoming old objects. Yes, and we were also talking about uh, the fact that some of these uh, DVDs in another context would, uh, would be considered works and um, what, what is, what um, takes part in this process about the distribution and what, how affects the, um, the categorization of uh, the final thing. There's a very interesting, it's, a, it's an amazing list of artists that, uh, that gave their materials to the archive. I, um, I really encourage um, people to come and have a look to it. You can find Harun Faroki, you can find Carlos Guerra uh, with uh, Negri. You can find many, many um, artists and you can handle these DVDs that in other circumstances would have been um, 
you know, internal material or because they are not even well tagged. And I think it's really interesting what you were saying about this objectualization of, of the archive in this sense and and how now the, the distribution of it, it's this red, um, um, yes. Um. Yeah, the with with a lot of information inside, but also that, that we want to keep it as it is. So we are not planning to, to digitize, digitize everything and to have it online. No, it's a time. Mm -hmm. And this time was based on going to index and sitting here and watching at films. Uh, so, so it was really kind from the artist to leave this material here. And it, would be, it wouldn't be fine if we just suddenly publish these things online. No, it's another type of contract. It's an archive. And of course, it's in, in, other, in other institutions, this is uh, it's part of a, a collection. Yeah, we have Bajana uh, there. Uh, we have uh, Elisa Attila. We have Joanna Billing. Um, as you said, yeah, we have uh, an, an incredible collection of films by Harun Faroki. There's a lot of really, really good material here. And I think, Marty, uh, that actually you are um, suggesting something that, an idea that it's quite, contro it would be quite controversial in the general debate uh, in artistic institutions about uh, how you put online all your archives. Actually, the, um, the general tendency is absolutely opposite. Everybody is uh, digitizing, and now the, and now that uh, almost uh, everybody has digitized their archives. Now the plan is how can you uh, create some layers of discovery over it. And uh, here, uh, what you suggest is that it's the audience who needs to come here and uh, handle the material and decide what they want to to play and give a space and a time uh, to see it and to reflect on it. Um, I'm not sure uh, in general the institutions are, if how attached or deattached they are about what's the purpose of putting all these materials online. Because um, I know the purpose we had in 2006 to experiment with the internet and how we distributed uh, the materials there. But now I think it's like a mass idea um, and I'm not sure there's a purpose on it. And for me it's also the, the historical approach. So if we think that this is an archive from a period of time, uh, the, the way to be in contact with it is also the, uh, an historical way. So this is why a DVD player and the fact that the DVD player can fail because it's an object that is an old object itself. So the, f the way to present this material is related to a time. And it's important for me to understand the temporality of things, that, uh, that of course you, we can be in, the, in contact with these uh, objects, but it's archive. And as archive, uh, we can uh, understand them as information. And it can be also an aesthetic experience, but always uh, coming from this point of departure, that it's archive, that it's a time, and it should be clear that it's a temporality there. That the object arrived here at one period, and we are looking at them at another period. But we are not uh, fictionalizing the fact that this thing is happening now. It happened before. 
as another thing happened before, next to this, to this uh, um, amazing collection of films, we have uh, Index Magazine. Index Magazine is a publication that started uh, before Index. Index Magazine was uh, somehow one of the yes, uh, systems to define what Index is today. And Index Magazine was a publication made from 1992 till 98, um, uh, written in English and in Swedish. And there was a desire there on working with international art and culture and ideas that were important back then. What happens when you read a magazine now, a paper magazine? That uh, suddenly you are not just reading the articles, you are also watching the the information that is related to that. There you can see the design, you can see the type of paper, you can see all the um, galleries, private galleries putting ads there, for example. What kind of ads were the, the institutions putting inside the magazine in, in 98? So it's a, it's a layer of information that is much more than the one that you could get uh, with a digitized version of this magazine online with articles. Then with articles it's also interesting to read them, like what kind of vocabulary was used back then. Are we using the same words or not? Are we using the same ideas? How do we relate to ideas? How we do relate to, to war? And it's a short period of time if we think on historical matters. It's, we're talking about 30, 20, 20 years. But it's enough time to have a distance and to talk with the ones that were writing back then. And I think it's also important to, to understand that this uh, archive or this idea of distribution is connected to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's also an, an an interest about the object. We were talking about the object uh, before, and I think that uh, the possibility of handling and uh, consider the weight, and as you were saying, the, the texture of, of the paper, it gives me a different, kind, a different layers of information about the budget that they had to create the, the, the magazine. Uh, yes. I think it's a very interesting approach, and I'm not sure if we are mm, actually in the, in the general tendency. I'm feeling more attached to objects lately than I did before, and and it's because I find uh, I'm I think that what interests me is uh, not not doing things because it's supposed to be with that way, but uh, reflecting on the effect of doing things in a certain way. And I think that now, uh, creating a magazine, I think it's a, really a, a statement. It's really, it's really a, a position um, in how institutions and how um, the, art, the artistic, the art, um, institutional in general is approaching um, the relation with the audience. I think it's really uh, significant. We continue with the exhibition. We were talking now about Index Magazine. It's a publication, it's paper. It was uh, based on uh, distributional channels for publications. It means that you have some subscribers, people that being part of the magazine because uh, they, they want to receive it. And then you need a system to distribute the magazines. And we are going now to 
observe and visit and see and touch the the work by Francesc Ruiz. Uh, from Francesc Ruiz, we are presenting a series of publications here at, at, at the exhibition. And uh, he's an artist who has been dealing intensively also with the idea of distribution and how to work with it and what kind of, uh, of uh, spaces of presentation you have for art. And we have, uh, for example, Soy South there, or Soy Sauce. It's a, a project from 2004 uh, he made in, in, in Barcelona. It's a comic book, uh, a series for numbers. You get the information of where to get the next number in the last page. So the narrative that is presented in this in this publication includes the idea of distribution. The the characters appearing there are moving, are walking in town, and then you follow them. So suddenly you are part of the of the narrative while you are being the system of distribution. You know what's going to happen if you move to a place and you get the next number. And uh, it's also interesting that this this project was, if I'm not mistaken, it was produced by Fundación Miró, uh, which means also the, institu the institution needed to deal with the idea that it was not a project that was held and uh, controlled by the space of the institution. It, it was spread over the city and uh, in, in somehow the control over it uh, disappeared. Yeah, we have several uh, publications from him. We have the Green Detour, that it's a, uh, a comic uh, production also, uh, made in, in Cairo, in Egypt, presenting the, the main characters, or the, the loved ones uh, there. It was uh, produced at the time where the Arab Spring was happening, or going to happen. So also it also presents a, a political situation, and how, how some magazines has the ability to talk about political and historical and, and and uh, identity-based situations uh, being extremely public somehow because these magazines were in the public space and from there you could talk about some things uh, using culture and, and information. We have also this one uh, here that is uh, Il Fometto di dei Giardini made in, mm -hmm. in the, at the Venice Biennale and it's a project that Francesc Ruiz did uh, uh, as part of his uh, presentation at the Spanish Pavilion in 2015, and it was a performative site uh, with uh, some comic books that were distributed in, at the Giardini in Venice, and you could get them also with this this type of connection that Sonia was talking about. Like you need involvement, you read something, you get information, you go somewhere. For example, you get information that you can get uh, a, a number close to the uh, pavilion from Finland. So then you will find a person there, you go there, you ask for this number, and it, suddenly you have a secret community moving around in, in, in town. We were also talking with Frances before um, about a new piece that it's presented in, at the exhibition that it's called Think of the Trash Bin as a Mailbox. We listen to, to Frances Ruiz and we come back. Okay, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a new piece that is really uh, related with kind of a new body of work I'm developing right now, and it's more, uh, it's kind of focuses, focus on, 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 I'm trying to recover some aspects of male art, but really I'm doing kind of uh, really cl uh, deep research about, uh, well, I mean, like kind of uh, the, f the inventor or the mother of male art, that is Ray Johnson, and I'm doing a lot of research on that, and because I think that it's quite an important figure in order to understand 
you know, the beginning of uh, what it, I understand as distribution art. So it's an, an art that, I mean, of course, uh, emerged uh, at some point in their in their modern art history, but that I think uh, it it hasn't been uh, the approach that our art history has done to it is not quite deep, I think. And I'm trying to start to uh, recognize and trying to create some genealogy of what I understand as distribution art. So, I mean, Ray Johnson could be like a good starting point, but it could, of course it continues with the work of um, much well-known and museized artists as Cildo um, Meireles and their interventions in circuits, and his interventions in circuits, and you know people know more contemporary as uh, Walid Besti. But uh, I'm now, I mean, it's the time to, for me to get really obsessed with Ray Johnson, and I'm, I, I think he, he did that, but he, he touched like very interesting aspects of, 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 of the, I mean, of a distribution system as a postal system, and uh, already uh, uh, as the, the, the kind of communication uh, he was uh, uh, he was uh, experimenting with, uh, I think it's qu still quite important. We're now we're in a time where uh, even postal system is in kind of a uh, the public postal system is uh, really in a, in a situation of uh, that is kind of is going to disappear, uh, and when we have some kind of a big corporate distribu the distribution company as Amazon who is taking everything. So uh, in order to make a reflection on how uh, capitalism works right now and how the relation with uh, the distribution of commodities, uh, how important is now, how important is uh, the, the link we have uh, between the commodity, the production of the commodity and our portable devices and how easy is down this kind of communication or how easy we buy through thanks to Amazon or this kind of. So I think it's interesting to think critically about uh, the communication we establish in terms of distribution and uh, acquisition and buying products. And I think that the, the, the work of Ray Johnson already uh, uh, was in a critical way developing this through the idea of the present, made art as a present. How the, the idea of the present, you give a present to someone, you send a letter, but it's a present too. It's a very universal way of uh, understanding communication to produce art or not art, but to produce some kind of communi artistic communication. And I think this idea of how uh, made art was kind of a uh, economy of presence, I think it's something very important. And if we, we compare this economy of the present with the, this, this kind of economy of the of buying, of, in a kind of a very uh, compulsive and aggressive way, how it's working right now, no? so this kind of easy buying thing, one-click buying, where you don't care from the things, how the things were are, come from, how are they produced? But it's more ab about uh, I want it now, and I want now, uh, right now. No, so it's about it's a total complete situation. And 
Um, this work is specifically really inspired by Ray Johnson, uh, the first exhibition uh, he did, like kind of a, suddenly someone was really paying attention, this is the 60s, 70s, where, you know, this, the, the moment with the, the materialization of art, you know, Lucy Lee Park published uh, six years of, the, of, of, uh, of art, no? Uh, uh, and the, the important uh, thing is he did, he was invited to do an exhibition at the Whitney Museum, of course, an exhibition in an institutional context was totally against uh, with the idea of the, net, the network that Ray Johnson was creating through the New York Correspondence School, so he was quite criticized. Not only because he was into, into this show, but also because uh, what was he showing there. Of course, what was he showing, it was the communication he was establishing with other people, other equals. And, of course, the result, sometimes it was not kind of a, something you could understand as, you know, high art. It was sometimes a kind of a esoterica uh, of, you know, exchanging like codes, strange images, uh, strange, uh, this kind of a camp imagery, you know, that, of course, it was creating a, a secret kind of different secret communications between Ray Johnson and many different individuals. So the result, of course, was not art, for many of the people, of the, of the art critic, the reception of the art critic at the time wasn't very uh, positive, so they understood that as garbage. So it was kind of a garbage communication. And I mean, uh, some of the critics were saying, "Okay, this is an exhibition who will go daily to the garbage, the trash can." No, and for me, this is very important. How uh, something can, and for me, garbage circuit, and, and this is why it, what, what was it about this piece, uh, is something I've been quite obsessed with, uh, because garbage system is quite interesting. Um, circuit is one of the circuits we are very close to. It, it also, it covers very well this, what, what we understand as, you know, as a circuit, and as, uh, in terms of opacity, uh, in terms of circulation, uh, with a many, in, in a many, uh, I mean, uh, we have the post, uh, circuit, the post, um, yeah, the, the, the post, uh, yeah, the postal system circuit, but the garbage system circuit are quite similar, especially under the economy of recycling or you know or how or how we understand contemporary garbage collecting, no? something like you know it, it has a circuit more than the it's not about making disappear things, it's also to to change things into another thing or to recover things. But anyway, uh, what for me, what, what was interesting, at some point I did a work that is like previous work to this one, the one I'm showing here, and it was just to, I create a small comic book that I, uh, it was totally uh, conceptualized as a comic book to throw in out into the, throwing in into the garbage can. Uh, this was something I did in Madrid, and it was kind of a comic homage to uh, the people who's working in the cleaning service. In, in Madrid, uh, in Madrid City, uh, because uh, in 2000, uh, I remember it was 2016. They did like a big, uh, not 2000, yeah, they did like a, a big strike uh, in order to defend their rights, and uh, the result of this big strike was kind of the city was covered with a big, big mountains of trash. And uh, for me, I had kind of a standal, like uh, experiencing and view, viewing, seeing at all this kind of uh, craziness of uh, different objects uh, uh, of all kind of trash, but with different shapes, different colors, covering the streets in kind of an crazy way. Something that it was hidden, 
in you know thanks to the to the garbage system suddenly it was there and showing or in or their splendor uh, for me it was kind of I had really kind of a standard so I decided to thank them to thank all these people who, who did the strike so I designed this comic and in order to put them to put this comic in their circuit so I, I published some uh, like 500 and a part of these comics I just throw throw them into the into the garbage cans in order they were reproducing like the, the the image of the corporative image of the company is green and white squares so in order the people who work inside the system are outside on the on the on the sides of the system could identify this comic that it was made for the, for them no, so and this is like the original previous idea and now it's very simple I just created like an edition of envelopes that have this kind of funny image almost as kind of a meme a meme that it says think of the trash bin as a mailbox so it's just like an I, I took like different uh, uh, clip images from the internet where you know these people who is mm, holding an envelope in order to put it inside the mailbox but I changed the mailbox by, by a, a, a recycling trash bin so it, it produced kind of a strange effect you know, like okay you are going to send a message but you're taking the wrong circuit no, and there's something strange about that. No, but also makes you think about maybe you really want to say, send something uh, to at some point of this close and uh, opaque uh, system. So it's not really about that. To uh, think, make people think about the the parallelism into, uh, among these two circuits and about the possible uh, the possibility of to, to, to disrupt the it's a metaphor and I mean can, can you can maybe really can think uh, on this message in many ways I mean you can think in the kind of a romantic way you know you are sending you know a letter to someone who only deserves to be in the trash can you know there's a way you know it's kind of a relationship we have with others but this kind of a, more obviously you can take it personally in a very kind of emotional or Way, way, but also it's kind of a. It's also there's another layer. I mean, it makes you think about how we work uh, on our computers. We also in our computers is also we have our email. We have inside the email the trash space, uh, and we easily just like uh, put things on trash. You know, things that we are, we are not welcome, so we put them in the trash uh, uh, space. No, so but suddenly uh, something like it's um, again something we use on our computer suddenly I'm made materializing in an object in an actual envelope so it also makes you get this kind of report to bring the the, the relate the think the fact that you put something in your in the, in the trash of your the space of your of your uh, of your computer suddenly it's an envelope and this envelope uh, has a drawing and the drawing puts someone like a very a sketchy drawing cartoon of someone very happy putting something and suddenly it's, you are seeing yourself like acting in a, a string embodying and a character doing what you do every day in your computer and it's just taking you from outside the, the space of the computer. I think it's quite important to to something some 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 performative acts that we do very you know in a kind of a we already have naturalized it in our computer suddenly we, we, we take them from outside uh, we take them from there and we create a space of uh, uh, of a strangeness. So that's things about that. 
And then also, again, about to this idea of surrealist uh, space of mixing uh, an umbrella and an uh, operation, uh, how do you say, the operation room, no? What does an umbrella there, the section room, no? So it's the same. We're mixing like two circuits and that are very close, but as not, there's no relation at all with them. So this is also like very disturbing, and I think something something very related with my my research on looking at the spaces where distribution goes wrong or creates some kind of images that makes you think about this the 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 how how strange sometimes the world no so this is kind of a, and sometimes it's about the error so to to make mistakes to have some lapses and to something things that doesn't wrong there's some 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 errors there. So that's also very important, you know. It's also suddenly also uh, there's some ask here if something's going wrong. Who is doing it wrong? Of course, it's the human side in these images. It's also important the human side of this kind of system. Usually, computers are, are quite you can really uh, trust in them, <laughs> but it's not so sure about people, no. So here is something, someone doing something. Mm, mm, there's some kind of subjectivity there of the people who is doing things wrong that is interesting in terms of, okay, I'm not going to do what you're telling, what you're telling to do, so I'm going to, I'm going to do it wrong. So if something is another layer, so it's, I mean, there's a lot of this. This was uh, Francesc Ruiz talking about uh, this project made for a tracking distribution exhibition here at Index Foundation. And we have been uh, walking now. Uh, the space at, in at Index is not that big, but we have many layers. Yes, and uh, many layers of uh, information and different rhythms and different times. I think it's uh, surprising how as such a small place uh, invites to come over and over again to um, to dedicate different, a different mind space and a different uh, expectation over the different objects and um, surfaces that you find in the exhibition. For us, the exhibition is understood as a research time. So we do this research, but also visitors can do that in their own research. So we want to invite people to come here safely, so it's corona times, but to, to sit here and to look at the material to observe what's going on and, and write and think and talk about it because there's still a lot to, to talk about in, with the matter of distribution. It's something that is invisible, it's something that is there. And it's something to, to, to be redefined as well. We can see it now with, uh, with these times we are living that suddenly something is not working. Suddenly there's no mm, medical supplies. What happens when the, the production of fruit is uh, going down and then we can't have this one. What happens with, uh, with flights? It, it's not that easy to fly right now, for example. And probably it's a good idea, I don't know. Yes, there's a, a, a kind of system, sustainability issue in, uh, in, it's not actually a kind of sustainability, sustainability issue, it's the sustainability issue distribution. Um, here, in the exhibition, we are talking about distribution of artworks, distribution of ideas, distribution of formats. But I think that what it's uh, enlightening of this project, this exhibition that I have the um, 
lucky enough to be here now, it's that it opens, um, yes, it opens a, a threat of reflection of how important is looking at our day-to-day -day on a distribution uh, scope. Sonia Lopez, thank you very much for your time with us. Thank you. I'm really glad to participate in this project. Thank you.